Frank, earlier this week we were supposed to record, but then I realized that we had a huge mega event on the same day we were supposed to record, and I was like, we should probably watch that and maybe do a recap of that because we've done that for the last three years. Oh, have we? Because I totally didn't see this event coming up, so I really appreciate you telling me it was happening. I probably would have slept through it slash worked through it. But instead, I watched a keynote. I saw uh, Scott Hanselman was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nat Friedman was there. Mm-hmm. And then they started doing some like kind of dockery stuff. Oh, uh, Donovan Brown was there. He was mm-hmm. good. He was good. Uh, and then they lost me at the <laughs> Docker stuff and I turned it off. But otherwise, I, I hear it was good. There was uh, a lot. So there was two keynotes. So there was a main keynote with Scott Goo. And then there was a Hanselman keynote too, which was another one where Hanselman went more in depth on developer productivity and .NET Core. And if people don't know what we're talking about, this is the Connect Fall Microsoft developer event. So we should probably say what we're talking <laughs> about. So sure. there's what three events from microsoft every year i work for the company there's a lot more events but there's build which is dev conference ignite which is like it slash dev and then connect which is a streaming online usually some small audience in person type of thing but it's usually like build and connect or six or so months Mm -hmm. apart and those are kind of the big developer things are happening type of excitement yeah I also think that the online one, aren't we doing kind of like a .NET online one also? What would you call that one? It comes up like middle of the year. Yeah, that one is... It's community dot, kind of stuff. Yeah, .NET Conf. .NET Conf. .NET Conf, yeah. So I mm-hmm. look forward to that one too. But yeah, you, you kind of named a ball. I haven't been to an Ignite, but I'm sure if you're into that stuff, it's probably fun. <laughs> Ignite is, um, is, is different. I think we spend... So at build, it's usually like, here's a bunch more dev stuff and, 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 a, and a bunch of Azure. And then, and then at Ignite, it's like, here's a bunch of Azure, a bunch of office type of stuff. Oh. And then, and more dev, you know, but it's, 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 it has the, the flip effect where there's like an equal amount of Azure everywhere, but the office to developer ratio is sort of is flipped because there is some office stuff at build but not that much but for it pros you're going to see a lot more like authentication and and sharepoint and things like that going on see when you're saying office i'm just imagining now like a a a talk on super advanced excel excel methods you know do this with your chart pivot tables on steroids you know i want to see that kind of stuff maybe someday is there a conference for that super advanced Uh, excel usage I would go to that conference. I'd be in. Yeah. <laughs> I've um I've always wanted to master a pivot table. Uh, Heather tells me it's quite amazing because uh, she's an Excel master. Um, but I I am lost. I'm I'm I can do simple logic, and that's about it. Yeah, I was just extolling the virtues actually of a pivot table to someone, and I did a terrible job of it. I ended with something like, "Well, once you get it, you get it, and they're the best." <laughs> but yeah, uh, that, that is that yeah. is what I hear. Once 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 you understand the pivot table, it's the best thing yeah. in the world. Okay, well, how am I going to learn that? Well, I need a conference, Frank. Let's start that. Let's start exactly. the Excel pivot the Excel conference. conference. <laughs> always be pivoting. we'll call it pivot pivot, pivot. exclamation Ooh, point. That's a great name, pivot conf. Is that a? We're taking it. I'm going to register yet this another project name. for us not to follow through on. <laughs> there is literally someone owns PivotConf. It's P- PivotCon. It's a, it's a digital transformation experience. It's not of Excel, data, though. like through pivot tables. I Are I we transforming hope, that digital experience. <laughs> I would love it. Oh my gosh, it's not, but it could be. Darn. It could be lost opportunities. Uh, where were we? We were talking about conferences and the Connect just happened. And d- did you present at all? I know you like to present at these big conferences. So this one, no, there was some uh, Xamarin stuff. So usually when I go, uh, it's around Xamarin stuff that is happening in the ecosystem. Now, I did not present. There was Xamarin stuff there. There was a really uh, great case study from the Cincinnati Children's Hospital using Xamarin and also there was a great Azure and Xamarin demo of using uh, a Xamarin app um, with cognitive services uh, to have a whiteboard drawing. You could like uh, Christos, one of our marketing uh, guys, he like had this crazy idea of we had these Azure magnets. So it'd be like, here's a database, here's like an Azure function, and here's like, um, I don't know, credential store. 
and he brought this big whiteboard. This was during the Hanselman session. And he they put all these big stickers or these big uh, magnets up there and he drew arrows and he took a photo with the phone and the phone figured out all of the Azure services that he wanted to scale out from like this whiteboarding session. And then he set up all of his Azure regions in the app. And then the app had this new like Azure SDK where you via .NET standard could communicate with Azure backend. And he set up all of the Azure things that he could manage um, from the phone, which is pretty cool. And he open sourced the app. So it was pretty, pretty bananas. Okay, let's rewind this because it's kind of, I, I, I love this a lot. Um, have you ever read Diamond Age? No. Okay. There's a fun scene in it where someone takes out a notepad-like iPad thing and draws a diagram and then basically hits execute. So this is exactly like that. Um, very exciting. Uh, probably useless in practical day-to-day stuff, but just super awesome that uh, we can actually do that. That's pretty impressive. This is the uh, Neil Stevenson's book. Correct? You got it. Yep. You got it. You got I have it. right I have toward read, the end. I've read some of of Neil's books. Um, Snow Crash, for instance. Mm, yeah, Popular. I thought it was required reading for the Pacific Northwest. Once you move here, you're just handed a bunch of books. I was uh, I was not handed a bunch of books. My uh, oh. Neil Stevenson goes back to uh, probably like my high school. I think I was like uh, it, was, it was a while ago. But someone yeah. handed <laughs> me Snow Crash, and they're like, "You will like this." And I go, "I probably will," and I did. It was good. So. Someone from Seattle handed me Snow Crash and said, "You will like this. <laughs> you will like this. This this will be your reference." Um, yes. <laughs> so. So, okay. So yeah, yeah. It was very kind of meta, very awesome. There's a whole bunch of great stuff that happened and there's, there was actually a plethora of announcements. I, I went to go write a, a little doc down because I wasn't there in person, right? So I didn't get to see the decks ahead of time. I had some insight. Now I was in Orlando this week and I was at VS live. So even if, even if I had tried to be in it, the dates overlap, there's a bunch of stuff. So I was doing keynotes, but, uh, the next day I actually, gave a full future of .NET and Visual Studio talk at VS Live. And this will come out on on Monday, but on the previous Friday, which I'll link into the show notes, I'm doing a Twitch stream where I'm doing all of that stuff again. Now, I really only cover some of the big announcements in .NET and Visual Studio, but there's a whole bunch more, which we'll talk about during the podcast today, because we just announced so much crazy stuff during this conference. Like you said, it was Azure stuff. There was Visual Studio stuff. There was .NET stuff. There was a lot of Python stuff, Frank. I'm kind of surprised that you didn't get to watch that. There was Python everywhere. That was in the keynote, wasn't it? I was, I was, I was blanking out. I was actually working on a bug at the same time I was doing the keynote, so (laughs) missed a few things. But yeah, like I said, I saw Nat. That's good enough. Nat actually showed off um, talking about the plethora of things that came up in it. Uh, A GitHub feature that I ran into accidentally. I don't know if you have also, but I opened one of my libraries one day, and it had this giant error banner on it saying, "Your library is insecure. It has insecure references." And I'm like, "What the heck?" Yes. And it it was actually a really nice uh, experience. They gave you all the links, explained what was up, told you how to fix it. It was uh, pretty awesome. And so I ran into that feature and then uh, Nat on stage demoed it. Super cool. Yeah, they uh, the that was something new for us, obviously, since the acquisition had finalized. It was good to see Nat out on stage talking about a bunch of things. Uh, such a good individual. Uh, and you're right. They, they announced a whole bunch of other really cool features. Uh, and I've started to see like these kind of light up in, in sort of GitHub. Uh, one of my new favorites is when you go to type an issue, it'll give you um, recommendations finally that this issue's already been created. You know, yeah. uh, that's an essential Something. thing. Yeah. So nice. Um, I, 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 I always hate those because I'm like, my bug is important. But then you type it in and you're like, oh, that's literally the exact same title. <laughs> okay. I guess I'll mm-hmm. open that one. So yeah. thank you for implementing that GitHub. Wish it was there 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. You know, another thing they did too, I was really impressed talking about GitHub is in, in uh, there's also a new version of Visual Studio 2019, but they have a brand mm-hmm. new uh, pull request pipeline uh, and integration. So 
I think this is in VS Code as well. Don't quote me on that. That uh, was crazy. They lost me in that part of the video. I was like, okay, cool, pipeline, get thing. And then it just got so confusing. Like, this PR is assigned to you. I'm like, I have never had a PR assigned to me. Like, I create PRs. And then someone either accepts them or they don't. And I'm just like, what's going on? So this was a very much in team feature that I had no comprehension of. Well, they definitely showed a very advanced scenario, but what I show dur- d- during mine was that I have my open source project, right? I have I have one pull request from Simplify community. for me, James. Yeah, I have one pull request. And what do you have to do today? Well, you have to you have to go to GitHub. You have to maybe um, read that the comment. If you want to comment on the code, you have to comment on the code on GitHub. You know, and then you have to do the merge the pull request there. So what they have now inside of Visual Studio is a brand new uh, pull. Re- I can see all of my pull requests. I can um, see the diff without actually bringing in the branch at all or bring in the pull request. I can just see it in Visual Studio. I can add comments. I can like it. I can merge the pull request. I can delete the branch from there. Um, and I can even start a code review from inside of Visual Studio. So I don't have to jump back and forth between GitHub to just close a PR. So that that was what I yeah. saw. And that's what I'm, you know, I think is really cool. Okay, you convinced me. That that sounds lovely. Um, I believe that IDEs should be integrated development environments. So the more features that they pull in, the happier I am about that. And yeah, now that you mention it, they did show an advanced scenario. And I can imagine the much simpler one being very nice, especially when it comes to um, people's separate repos. If they make me just pulling in their code very easily and things like that, that actually is really lovely. Combine that with the um, live coding that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, li- life is getting pretty good. Uh, the other feature I'd want out of that is um, merge conflict handling. Ding. Um, mm. <laughs> because uh, quite often I have merge conflicts and they never are resolvable in their uh, baked in UI on the web page. You ever get it? Like sometimes it's like, oh, you can totally merge these. But uh, other times it's like, good luck. Here's some here's some command line stuff. Have fun. Yeah, I, I think that I hope that that's one thing that I think we, we noticed that they announced some new things, some things that already been out. But at the same time, you know, I believe that we'll see more and more like those nice little enhancements, deeper integration over time um, between yeah. probably VS Code and VS itself. So where do you want to start? We we kind of hopped randomly into GitHub and it's not even in our in our notes uh, at all. I, I have a good segue here. Um, segue me. <laughs> I noticed another extension or add-in or feature of VS Code. And this one is good because it's an Azure, um, what do they call that, the portal? It's like an Azure portal extension add-in for VS Code. Meaning you don't have to go to that terrible (laughs) portal website (laughs) that I absolutely hate. (laughs) And instead, it's all integrated right into the IDE. I don't know. Is that a feature in VS 2019 or just a feature in VS Code right now? The uh, nice Azure GUI integration. Mm, I think that we've had it. I think this is the Azure App Service, Azure Extension thingy resource manager. I have really no idea which one. I, I saw them demo it, though. I saw that you could pull in and you could see all of your Azure services. You can do that inside of Visual Studio 2019 for a while. It wasn't very, you had to install the Azure tooling extensions or whatever. But uh, And I use a Mac. So mm-hmm. if it works on VS Code, I'm assuming it works on the Mac. So that's just a nice little feature to have. Yeah. So, that's so I don't cool. have to go to that web app. I like that one. They had a nice demo for it. Yeah. So we're talking IDEs. You want to talk IDEs first, it sounds like? Let's keep going. Okay. So you mentioned that Visual Studio 2019 uh, Preview 1 is out. And just before the podcast, I decided I want to install this puppy because I want uh, C Sharp 8.0. We'll talk about that later. And I was curious, like, how long is this thing going to take? I've been installing Visual Studio since the early days, and it's always such a hog and such a monster. But 
on a virtual machine. I downloaded the installer. That was like 2.6 meg. The installer downloaded some definition files. Those were 64 meg. (laughs) (laughs) And then I picked a minimal .NET install, which was 2.5 gigabytes, which I thought was going to take forever. But the servers were fast. And the stupid thing was running before I knew it. So good job, Microsoft. Visual Studio 2019. Best installer experience yet. It's pretty good. It's uh, quite pleasing, I would say. I, I, I am really enjoying a lot of the features that they've been adding as far as the UI goes. Um, and what I mean by that is they have a new launch screen experience. Often I just want to launch Visual Studio and like nothing else. So I can easily pop that up or clone code really fast. The, the first to code experience is extremely fast. I don't know about the selecting a new project or creating a new project it's going to be it's a whole different ui so it's a big change for me so it's something i'll have to get used to but i like the theme uh, you know i'm a light theme person um i know that it's that's not you but it's me it's uh, that's what mm-hmm. i do uh and my one of my things that i'm really enjoying is that they pushed away a bunch of other chrome i'm going to call it chrome but they got rid of some title bars and there's you can just see more code now and, and i'm sort of liking that yeah it's lovely uh it's a it's a much cleaned up ui and they've been progressing along this path i think each version has been getting cleaner and cleaner long gone are the gradients of visual studio 2008 and all that stuff honestly the new create new project dialogue looks very mac inspired to mm-hmm. me <laughs> And that it's a giant blank white window <laughs> with a list in it with a big font saying, what do you want to build? Puppy, press this big glowy button down here. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, so I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you, and you're right, because, you know, when you think of Visual Studio, we think about the code cleanup, sometimes being a little bit more minimal is OK. Uh, and, and, and Mac sort of had that a little bit. And this new launcher reminds me a little bit more of Xcode where it's get faster, but it does a little bit more than the Xcode thing. But it uh, is nice because it's like, what are the things that I want to do? Maybe I want to open a folder. I want to open, check out some code or just get to my recent things. I don't need the entirety of Visual Studio to load. Or in fact, sometimes I just accidentally hit the Visual Studio button. (laughs) That's stuff that that happens. It's it's down in my toolbar and I'm like, oh, no, it's launched. Uh, so I, I do I, like it a lot, a lot. I, I much prefer this. Yeah. It always seems so silly to like, especially back in the day when you had all those tree views, like it'd be connecting to a database while you're just trying to boot up the IDE so you can <laughs> edit a file and it's like connecting to your SharePoint and you're like, stop it, stop connecting. But yeah, so it, it's nice. Um, sorry, just a tangent, real quick tangent. Um, Mac's been doing this for a while. They've uh, really minimal UIs to the point where if you do a document-based app, like most of mine are Calca and iCircuit, when you uh, first load the app, it doesn't even show you a new document. It's like, do you want to create a new document or do you want to open something? And so they've started with that minimal UI also of just showing you nothing other than a way to create a new document. And so it's interesting to see that, uh, in general, that's just how software has progressed. Yeah, it's you know less is more sometimes. I yeah, think that's uh, yeah, that's what I, I don't get mind. Out of it. I don't hit new project that often, so whatevs. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm usually trying to get to my to my other stuff, and 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 I think it's really nice that at least it's loading faster. I'm getting to things faster, and yeah, one thing that they didn't necessarily show a lot of that I'm, I'm I demo in my Twitch stream is all sorts of different really nice productivity features so one thing that uh i got a kind of a breakdown from from the uh the visual studio team are all of these refactorings that they're doing from inside the code so uh for instance there's tons of new code cleanup analysis um to remove like dead code uh one of my new favorite features is like when you copy and paste code in you know how you're missing a bunch of using statements and you have to right click yeah. on everything and bring in a bunch of using statements. Magic. Now they just do bring in everything for me. And you're like, all right, cool. Great. Love it. Yeah, it's really cool. I think like the, the argument was like, oh, but it can't be perfect. You're like, who cares if it's perfect? It's better than nothing. Yeah, I. Th- that's usually um, what prevents me from creating new files. I'm like, oh, sh- this really should be in another file. But oh, God, then I got to find the usings and clean those up. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. I, I want this feature. But um, 
the number of refactorings that we have now is like kind of ridiculous. Don't you find it? I, in a good way. In that um, while I'm editing code just for fun, I just hit uh, on Mac, it's Alt-Enter. And up pops a list of all these Roslyn things like, hey, let's refactor this. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I just look through sometimes and just have fun. So I'm enjoying this world of um, automated code writing. <laughs> yeah, there's I, I was I joked in one of my presentations. I'm like, just Visual Studio writes my code for me now. I don't even have to do anything. It's just like so I'm like, I need a class. I should have something there. Yeah, yeah. One of those. Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of VB. I, there, we're back to drag and drop programming. Yeah, just, just do it text for, editor. Yeah, do it for me. There's there's a there was a, a few cool things that they added, such as if you had a um, a tuple. Uh, and you needed it to be a class all of a sudden, you can just refactor and say, I'll just make this a class. And it will generate all the con- deconstructors, the hash code comparison, everything for you. They do oh, that. really? Yeah, it's new. Yeah, it's awesome. I need that now. <laughs> oh, my God. Because I am a tuple junkie. Um, ever since they added that feature, I don't, I don't write any types anymore. Everything's a tuple. It's, it's a bad, bad hangover from F sharp, but I'm still enjoying it. So that is so nice to be able to turn them into classes. Can it do structs and classes or does it just do one or the other? It can do structs or classes. Yeah. Both either. I, I, th- I believe it does. Oh, Love you refactoring. I'd have to, I'd have to look <laughs> at it, but I, I know that it does that one. Um, another one that it does too is. Uh, well, they added the switch from four to four each and back and forth, but they also added yeah. convert con- convert the four eaches into four each um, with link. So it, it'll it'll like mo- convert the yeah. the four eaches to link queries too and be all beautiful instead of doing all these crazy for each for each for each for each. So it has all these nice refactorings. But the one I wanted to tell you was similar to the hey change this thing that it was nice and pretty like this nice little tuple into something really big and complex they uh they did all these refactorings for local functions and you know i love local functions mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. because of this because local functions you can you can you can um sort of have some local variables above and use those inside your local function and kind of call that later they have a new it's like a lambda it captures the variables in its declaration it's very nice for keeping the code clean so you don't have a bunch of private methods just hanging around but but what if you do need a private method frank and what <laughs> if you need to expose that so they now have a right click which is convert this local function to a method and it'll handle all the refs or any outs or anything for you automatically yeah love that so it's it's kind of like extract method just a little bit smarter because you already have a method so yeah fun yeah. And, and I, I do want to give credit to Visual Studio for Mac, too, because they they do have um, light bulbs now, which is very nice. And they're getting a bunch of these refactorings because they both use Roslyn. So Roslyn is powering this. So those kind of all these enhancements kind of come to both IDEs. And, and I think that stuff is cool. But the one thing that they really demoed more than anything above the Chrome and above everything, what was in every single demo was IntelliCode, which we did a whole session on. But they added a bunch of new features, Frank. <laughs> okay, so I'm still behind here. We talked about it on the show before, and I promised myself I was going to look into it. And guess what? I never did. So I'm excited for you to tell me everything, but you're going to have to differenti- differentiate between what's old and what's new. I did see one thing. Um, was it Xamarin related? Something about IntelliCode and XAML? Tell me about that first. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So uh, IntelliCode, if people don't know what it is, is what Microsoft did is they said, hey, can we use AI and machine learning to give really one? This is one of the features. This is what they demo all the time, but uh, better recommendations and in IntelliSense, because what's the problem with IntelliSense, Frank? Uh, there's too many items in the list. Exactly. So what if it just gave you recommendations based on it? Yeah, you did. You I nailed like the getting, I like getting questions right. Yeah. Yes. You, I mean, I couldn't have answered that even better. I did not even type that to him. <laughs> he just knew. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, so they're uh, what they're sorting better. They're giving me the top recommendation better. Is the list shorter? What's up? So they ran a whole bunch of some magical machine learning algorithm on open source projects for Java, C sharp, C plus plus, JavaScript slash TypeScript, Python, and XAML to generate built in models for Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code. Okay. Mm, yep. I'm totally on board for this stuff. Everyone who knows me knows I love this. Yep. 
<laughs> now, this is not just recommendations. This is contextual recommendations. Sure. Mind has it. <laughs> so, so there's better. <laughs> so let's say you, so by default, they'll do it on the built-in structs. So if you have a, a string, for instance, you'll type, you know, you know, ID dot, and it'll give you some recommendations for like split or replace or, or mm -hmm. length, some things that you would commonly do. But if you go, if ID dot, it will give you different recommendations. They have a little star for things that you would do inside of an if statement. Yeah. Which I is love cool. It. Very yeah, cool. because it's always like dot length or for me, it's dot length, dot substring, dot find. So I'm curious uh, where they're going to end up on the list. Yeah. Let's and see what you got. <laughs> and they're all in there. And then they also did that on XAML for all of the different XAML flavors. So when you're typing Xamarin Forms, uh, when you say label, the next natural thing is text. Like it just bubbles <laughs> up to the top and it's like a beautiful, wonderful thing, Frank. Which makes me wonder, did they include like UI kit and things like that? I wonder if they just did the BCL. But if you say they scanned open source projects, then I just have to hope that there's a lot of Xamarin developers out there writing iOS stuff. So iOS stuff bubbles up. So I don't believe that they do. I think they only do BCL stuff. I think they limited it, but I'm not positive. Ah, um, sad puppy. But here's a cool thing, Frank. You can create your own custom models based on <gasps> your code. Oh, my God. It'll know me. It will know. This is what I want, James. This is better. Oh, this is so smart. It, okay. will, it, it will know you and all of your custom types. <laughs> They're going to be like, hey, you're repeating yourself again. That's what I really want. You typed the same type 10 years ago. You should use that one. Yeah. But. I'll take this in the meantime. If it knows what I mean, dot length and dot count, just dot, yeah, just those alone would yeah. be wonderful. So that was really, really impressive um, when I saw it and I started, I started to sort of run it on my code and, and use it on Xamarin Essentials, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But uh, I mm -hmm. was getting geolocation. And when I type in geolocation dot, the first recommendation it gives me is get last um, cache, like last known location, which is the cache version, which is a recommended pattern is to get the cache version, check it, then get the real location. So then after I awaited that and I said geolocation dot, it gave me the recommendation to get the real location, right? So it actually love it. Like it's crazy. I'm like, this is so, this is so cool. And, and, and I was just trying stuff. I did a presentation at a, a user group in Orlando last time. I just started trying stuff. And people were like, what about here? And what if you do this? And I was like, oh, my yeah. goodness. Like, what do you think it'll do? And I was like, I bet it'll do this. And like, it totally did it. And I, it like was mind blowing. <laughs> I was like, this is so cool. All right. Stop bragging and give us the quick uh, ex uh, description of how to install it and train it on our own code. After Assume we've installed Visual Studio 2019 Preview 1. Now what do I do? I need this. I believe it's either built in. Or you go to the extension manager and just type in IntelliCode and install it. Okay, but then how, how do I have it scan my code and create this awesome custom model? Oh, so when you have IntelliCode in there and you have a project, you'll see a little bar that pops up that says, do you want to try IntelliCode? Or you can type in IntelliCode into the search and you bring up this dialog and you hit train code, like train model. Like there's a big button that says train and it just does it. Can I give it a directory? Like, I want to give it all the code I've ever written in the past. I don't know that someone else asked that, like, oh, can I train it off of one, like one file? Or could I train it off of one project, not all my projects? And me, I want to yeah, train it off of everything in my everything. Uh, C slash yeah. source. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm not positive. I need to look into it. Well, we'll more. convince them. Yeah. We need that feature. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. Anyways, that's IntelliCo. I was blown away. And they did do a really cool Python um, demo, which I'm you'd have to watch. But they were using like Jupyter notebooks, and they had like Python code, like Python code was generating Python code with IntelliCode, which was generating Python code. I don't know. It was like it was craziness. Okay, um, I guess I'll have to watch the video. Yeah, you love Python. I know someone mentioned I do. I do love Python, but you know VS Code already has a really good Python experience, so I don't know what they're adding to it. IntelliCode. Better recommendations, I guess. Mister, when does IntelliCode come to VS for Mac? I don't know. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, someone was asking me about that. And I, 
uh, we have a roadmap of the of features for both IDEs, and I know that a big thing that they're they're working on is a lot of stability and performance and and a bunch of other yeah. things. But they did get a lot of those re, refactorings and the bubbles and things. So uh, you're going to get more features over over time. And uh, when I when I talk to a lot of developers, their their biggest thing is I want give me give me a really performant IDE and then add a bunch of features. Yeah. Don't keep adding mm-hmm. features, right? That's the problem. So okay, so two to four years, I'll be looking forward <laughs> to it. <laughs> I, I have to imagine that it's. It's before that, but I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know. I'm not on that team. So yes. I don't, I literally yeah, yeah. no inside baseball, no inside soccer. All right. That was fun. Um, where should we go from here? Mm, oh, you give a live share update. We talked about live share on what podcast did we do that on? Was that last Just week? Just the last one, I believe. Yeah. Well, tell me, what did they update? Cause we, we already described how awesome it is and I still haven't used it myself, but I need to, uh, cause it's awesome. Yeah, so Live Share, Visual Studio Live Share is now baked into 2019. Uh, VS Code has it. They did a few things. So they they actually now share your so- source control Git state. So you can look at PRs and Git diffs and a bunch of other things, like a shared state. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it works with IntelliCode. So it'll bring over the IntelliCode suggestions <laughs> into the shared session. So you would see my IntelliCode suggestions on your machine. Oh, so there we go. If I want IntelliCode on the Mac, I can just have you host all my code for me on your computer, and then I'll just edit off of your computer. Done. Solved. Well, you could also just install IntelliCode for VS Code, Frank. IntelliCode exists for VS Code? Yeah. You didn't tell me that. Oh, it's also available for VS Code. That's the thing that happened. Bravo. Good job. (laughs) I love parody. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, that's fantastic. Okay, so... Can I train my own custom models in VS Code? I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't tried mm. it, but you may want to look at yeah. it. We'll give a yeah. give an update next week. <laughs> cool. Um, one thing that I really want to talk about. So in the in the Hanselman demo, it's with LiveShare. So they LiveShare is a collaborative coding, and and I want to confirm here, Frank. Remember, we had an outstanding question, which is how many people can join a session? Guess how many people can join a session. Oh, he said this and I totally forgot. I'm going to guess negative three. Negative 30. 30? That's too many people. That's a lot of people. 30, 30 cooks in the kitchen. That's a few too many. I think you got some PMs in there is the problem. It was, uh, I, I think it's 30. They also added some support for like some anonymous thing or something like people could collaboratively come in. Uh, it was something crazy. There's a whole bunch of things, but you can have like 30 30 people, they have, um, I don't know, a bunch of shenanigans going on, right? There's all sorts of stuff going on with it. But one other thing that they did besides doing this Git and PR and, and all this other stuff coming in is they also added, um, we'll, we'll get to it in a bit, but they added the ability for remoting Windows applications onto Mac and Linux machines and mirroring mouse movements to interact with those applications on those machines. What? Okay, so who who <laughs> who is the source and who is the mirror? Do it again. Okay, so you're on you're on Linux and I'm on Windows. Okay. Uh, I have a WinForms app. Okay. Woohoo! Um, we you now have the ability that you Frank on Linux can hit debug. Oh, creepy. Okay. And that's um, running .NET Core. What, what am I hitting debug from? VS Code, obviously. You're hitting debug and you're telling my machine to debug the app. Oh, bravo. Okay. So just crazy remote debugging. Mm-hmm. They have crazy remote debugging. But let's say it's a Windows app and you hit debug. What are you, what are you supposed to be debugging? What else? I always debug Windows apps. I know, but you can't see anything. Is that a You're trick on question? You're on Linux. You can't see I'm anything. I'm so confused. You're on Linux. Okay. You can't see anything, Frank. So now it's got the screen share built in. So now Is it has. What you're saying? It basically has not screen share, but it's remoting the window to you. Love it. <laughs> and Creepy, but cool. <laughs> and and then you can hover your mouse and you can interact with the app because your mouse is is mirror to back to my machine or something crazy. I don't know. It's magical. Okay, um, I'm going to have to see the video for that one. I'm completely confused. But you did say the magic word. So I'm going to transition us to probably the best part of all this. And I can't believe it's taken us 34 minutes to get to it. But 
Microsoft has open-sourced WinForms. But up up the best thing ever, the best UI library ever written, WinForms. And it's open-source now. It only runs on Windows, but it's totally open-source, and it's on GitHub, and I've been spending way too much time reading its source code. Um, have I said, do I sound excited enough? Because I want to convey that I'm very excited about this. I'm not sure. It sounds as if you're excited uh, about it. Uh, I didn't know if you were literally jumping for joy or you're like you're holding back your excitement. It sounded like I, I wasn't sure if it was real or not. Uh, I'm tempering my excitement because I'm really trying not to spend a weekend to a month writing an iOS backend for it. And I just can't allow myself to do that, but desperately want to. <laughs> then I can finally have Visual Basic for iOS, the thing that I've wanted since the very beginning of Monotouch. Uh, such, you know, little dreams, but they can come true. Have you seen the code? Did you read any of it? I did not. You know, the, so we open sourced uh, WPF, WinForms, and the WinUI XAML library, which is like UWP. So there's three things that happen, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. So uh, let's break it down because I was actually a little confused by all of this. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the most confusing one for me, which is the Windows UI XAML library. Actually, the repo is called Microsoft UI XAML library. Yes. And yeah. And I was like, what is this? Because <laughs> I don't do that much UWP stuff. So I'm like, what is this? Because I was reading through all the code. And the code is a bunch of C++ code because, as you said, it's UWP code. And so it's all written in C++, mm -hmm. but um, obviously accessible from all your other, uh, .NET projects and all of that. And it's really just a giant controls library. They call it some kind of fluent design thing. But it's not, you know, I can't take this and get it to run on iOS like I could potentially do with WinForms because it's it doesn't have the low-level stuff in it. but um, it kind of does and kind of doesn't, but either way, um, it's mostly just a controls library for UWP. Yeah, that is a hundred percent accurate statement. And you can use that in windows 10 UWP apps or a Xamarin forms app. You can embed it with like the native view thing. So it, that's the composition. Oh yeah. Cool. Cool. And then there's the big, the big one, open sourcing WPF. Now, this is near and dear to my heart because when I first went to work at Microsoft, I worked on WPF. And so this is like um, this is your code. all my, my code coming home. Well, I probably don't have any code in it, but I'm curious to see what they end up releasing. Uh, right now, they've only released the XAML bit, and I think it's just the XAML parser. It's, it's not even too much to it. Uh, but they promise in the next coming months... All of the, well, you know, some big parts of the WPF will be coming. And I'm curious, like, I think porting Windows Forms to run on iOS would be a bear of a project, but I'm half tempted to try to get WPF running on iOS too. Well, and you wrote it, so you should know how to do it. It shouldn't take you any trouble at all. Oh my God, when we did it, it was all DirectX. So I think you would have to write a DirectX middle layer, like emulation layer, <laughs> because, oh Lordy, oh, those were the days. I'm excited to see what they end up releasing. We got to wait months. That's so mean. You can't dangle that in front of us. Well, but. all of this work, including the WinForms work and the, all this really revolves around .NET Core 3, which has a big theme on desktop. So there was this big collaboration between doing WinForms, WPF, the Windows 10 XAML, and then .NET Core 3, which is going to enable WinForms and WPF apps to run on .NET Core, do side-by-side, -side, to be packaged up. So it's all of these things all in one. So I think that's why they went this route. So as since .NET Core is open source and a lot of, I mean, a lot of .NET's open source, it, it sort of makes sense here. And I think WinForms is the most intriguing one to me because it's been around for so long and it's extremely popular even still. And and I think that's where you are actually seeing the most pull requests and issues is to come into WinForms. Um, and it's probably one that could easily be ported. Now, they aren't allowing pull requests for ports to other operating systems, but guess what? It's open source, so you can fork it and you can do whatever you want. You know, it's the power of open yeah. source, I guess. And you just said it's open source, and I had to verify for myself. It is actually MIT licensed, mm -hmm. which is very nice. You don't have to worry about pretty much, well, you don't have to worry about much with MIT, so that's nice. Yeah, they can't really stop us from doing anything, so if I want to port 
wind forms to run on Tizen or whatever the heck I want to run it on. We can do it now. It's it's kind of evil. But I think um, a more practical early case for this might be I'm going to see if I can get Kalka to run on the new uh, .NET Core and this open source version of WinForms. I think that'd be kind of trippy, kind of fun to see uh, those working together. Oh, yeah, that, that really would be... Have a, yeah, I, I don't have a specific benefit from that other than it's just kind of fun from my perspective well so in the past that's an old app that you wanted to get into the store so you had to go through the the desktop bridge which we talked about and i'm imagining if you do this port it would just I, i'm assuming that the store would just accept it at some point once dotnet core is out oh is that right i don't I didn't know realize i have that. no idea I, I assumed i would still have to go through the bridge if i was using WinForms, but why? if you're right that's super awesome I don't know. These rules are all artificial, James. What's an app versus a store app? It's all marketing. So we're just at the mercy of those people. That's the answer to your so, question. Again, no inside baseball. I literally have no idea. But okay, good. The, the thing with Windows 10 was that it was a side-by-side package, self-packaged bundle, right? It didn't have dependencies on the framework or anything like that. And, and that's what a new .NET Core 3 app is in theory it's all just a packaged up xy and just run it so i I don't know but that's my assumption i suppose so i i just assumed like on mac that there's a security model involved somewhere so i assume that that's what the bridging software was was creating exceptions to that security model but i guess neither of us know we'll have to look this one up (laughs) yeah i i I don't know maybe they'll have some fancy packaging although i will say you know the the dotnet course three stuff i've been porting some WinForms apps and it's surprisingly easy and uh the awesome. the nice thing is is uh you can easily port things because the new like when you say .NET new WPF or .NET new WinForms all you have to do Frank is you just add that project side by side your WinForms and then you go you go inside your your CS proj which is now the new CS proj for your WinForms yeah. app and you just glob in all the C# sharp files <laughs> love it that's amazing yep. that's all i want to do that's yep that's perfect it's so cool it's so cool <laughs> did you see that uh oren has a pull request accepted already they did it live on stage oh that's how i knew about it obviously <laughs> you can tell i totally pay attention to things he uh he did a cool one too it wasn't some like minimalist i fixed a typo yes kind of thing uh actually improved the dialogue box in all winforms apps Good job, Oren. Yeah, there's been at this point, I'm looking here because Morton had one. I think there's already been about like 50 or so pull requests <laughs> pulled in. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Pretty cool. It's so cool. Yeah. You never know, like, was Microsoft working on WinForms? Unfortunately, uh, they started with initial commit. You know, uh, we don't get to see a history. But I was curious, like, when was the last time anyone worked on WinForms? So this is going to be awesome that we just have, you know, a million .NET developers who we all love WinForms because you're required to um, contributing to it because we want to see it do well. Did it disappoint you that... um... That there wasn't the the big Git history. Yeah, obviously. Um. <laughs> the one thing I loved when, but there must be so much literal history there that they could. They're like, heck, no, we're not exposing that. I assume that it wasn't. It obviously wasn't in Git to begin with. So no, no, they they used this at least when I was there. This crazy old fashioned one. It wasn't as bad as CVS, but it was up there in um, terrible use. Uh, usabilityness and uh, I'm not sure yeah I, from the old stories remember when Microsoft announced that they put the Windows code base on Git mm-hmm. that's what this that's what this would have been so they and that thing was you know huge <laughs> it made news because it was so huge so pulling WPF or WinForms and WPF uh, out of those or maybe .NET owned WinForms. Who knows? I don't know what I'm talking about. It would be a lot of effort. <laughs> so I get it. It would be it would be a lot of effort. How, it would be cool. I mean, when when Apple open source Swift, that was one thing that was pretty cool. Is you could see the entire history. Yeah. Of it. So. Yeah. I'm sure they still cleaned it up though. Some intern had to go through every line to check. Oh yeah. Or they wrote a bunch of scripts. Who knows? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no way that you could not um, have to clean it up. There's 
even I remember when Xamarin Forms open source, I think, I, I don't know if they cleaned it up. There's probably, I'm sure there was It terror. was an effort. It, it was. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember everyone complaining. They're like, oh God, <laughs> effort. Effort. <laughs> I don't know if it took that long, but it, it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, you know, I mean, when you talk about .NET though, and we talk about .NET Core and a bunch of other things happening, the one thing that is probably worth noting is uh, C Sharp 8, right? We talk about new features all the time and you mentioned some new c-sharp eight features and our patreon subscribers they got the most weird yes. weird video of us watching mads and commentating on it so maybe do you want to break down c-sharp eight since i've been leading a lot of this discussion uh, yeah okay I, I i can totally do this i'll remember everything um so yeah become a patreon so you can watch our terrible react videos uh, audios <laughs> so c-sharp eight everyone we've been waiting for it and it's finally here Install 2019 preview one. <laughs> um, the feature that I was looking forward to the most out of 8.0 is the new null reference uh, types that you can declare. And the goal here is to rid ourselves of the null reference exception. And if you're like me, uh, you're a bad coder. And whenever your app crashes, nine out of 10 times, it's a null reference exception. I think we're all pretty good about reason, reasoning about other errors, but the moment you put the word null in your code and you can't not because libraries require it, uh, all bets are off and you're in crazy null land all of a sudden. And coming from an F-sharp world where we have order, um, C-sharp is just chaos. But you, you accept it. You're like, I'm, I'm doing C-sharp code, so I'm going to get null reference exceptions. It's just life. Not anymore, James. They fixed Mads it. is fixing it. Yeah. Yay. Yay. So you can put question marks all over your code. The compiler will check your nulls. It'll tell you if you're doing a good job or not. It's really smart. It checks your if statements uh, for that kind of stuff. It checks constructors. That's always a tricky one with nullability is the construction of objects because things can be null temporarily. So it's really interesting to see all the work there. I was quite impressed. Yeah. Um, walking through the feature, you... you or like, oh, this is going to break a whole bunch of code, but it's sort of this opt-in feature and the compiler is really smart. So the IntelliSense is very smart and you get squigglies everywhere and it helps you. Uh, and to be honest, with, with with as soon as you turn on this feature, you start to see all the potential bugs in your code. And that's probably the coolest part. So I'm excited to see how many bugs are in my code or probably your code um, more more likely because you're mostly right. my code. Mostly your yeah. code. My code is pretty great. So, I mean, it's pretty <laughs> yeah, solid. Yeah. My code is a literal disaster. I mean, um, it, it, I am using the word literally, literally right here. So <laughs> it is at least, in every way terrible at, when it comes to null. At least you're honest. That's all that. That's all the Yeah. Matters. So they're very clever. Uh, in a single source file, you can put this little pragma at the top. So it's, um, what was it, James? It was pound sign, nullable, enable, enable. something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. We put that at the top of our file because we're all like, this thing's pretty rough for all your old disaster code. It's going to produce a lot of errors. So you're only going to want to do this one file at a time. But no, James, that's for weak people. Uh, strong people stay up all night fixing null reference errors that the compiler is now discovering. And so I can't wait to stay up all night, literally all night, working on my literally disaster code <laughs> uh, to fix it all. And I'm very excited about this. Are you going to do the same? Uh, yes, absolutely. I'm going to go into my CS proj and absolutely uh, get it done 100%. That's, that's what I'm going to be doing basically at this point in time. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think it's actually really worth it for libraries. Apps, it's going to be a bit rough. Um, the BCL is going to be annotated, but I don't think we're going to get an annotated like UI kit for a while. But for libraries, I think it's definitely going to be worth it. Yes. It's going to be awesome. Yes, but there, yep. there was other stuff that I really enjoyed too. And, and Mads goes through this video and I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. And I, I really, I actually like async streams a lot. I think they're pretty cool. Um, they're yeah. streaming in data better. <laughs> yeah, it's ienumerable, but uh, things get awaited. So it happens off thread. You're not making the CPU wait around for things. It's good. Uh, great for building UI apps that read in huge amounts of data. And I'm sorry if you work on one of those apps. <laughs> Life is tough. So this must be an improvement for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's There's all sorts of little things that they're doing on top of that. They're 
they're uh, doing slices of arrays, uh, which is very cool. James. Ranges. That's kind of cool. This is not little. This is a big deal. This is a favorite feature of mine from Python. When we're indexing into an array or maybe something else, uh, we've only been able to index one item out of it. Now we can index multiple items out of it. And what's the data type, you ask? Well, don't ask that question. It's complicated. Just use the word var <laughs> and use the indexing thing, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, I, I unfortunately do a lot of code uh, with matrices and arrays of things. So this is just going to be all win for me. Yes, win, 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 win. And and uh, it almost seems as if they're making C Sharp a little bit more functional. They're they're changing a whole bunch of pattern matching and switch tuple switch cases and uh, getting rid of a bunch of junk, basically, is what I think. Yeah, my favorite one of these is the switch expression. Up to this point, switch was uh, just a statement and it had breaks all over it and you had to put the word case everywhere. It was, I think Mads said it was long in the tooth and for sure it just had way too much syntax involved. And so I'm really, really digging the new um, switch expression. It really makes the code look like Haskell, which is, you know, the super functional language. So I just, I love it. it. It's so cute. It's great syntax. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. And you can use it. Like you said, you can go and explore some of these features, not all of them, but some of them. Yeah. I think he said that uh, that one has a funny name, recursive patterns. No, no. Is that what it's called? I get so confused with these names. No, that was a switch expression. Um and I don't know if that was actually in there. What's the recursive patterns one? The recursive patterns is the tuple, the tuple switch kind of. Oh, right. Um, you can have the complicated, yeah, bigger patterns of things. Yeah, got it. And so cool. normally you have a switch that's switching over one thing, but now you can switch over and and do be like first, you know, string, 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 and then you can pattern match on that string, string, string. <laughs> yeah sounds fun it's fine <laughs> better pattern matching better pattern that's match. all good so that that goes along well with uh switch expressions because those use pattern matching yeah so. it all makes sense it's almost like they're thinking it through <laughs> it's like oh it's all coming together frank all right how do we want to end this thing little xamarin little mobile want to do it yeah we have to got to. what do you got uh well you know so there like i mentioned there's a bunch of things on stage that that uh, were kind of showed here and there. I wasn't there, right? I was I was at a different conference. So I wasn't making a big splash, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't a lot of new things. I was extremely pleased. One of my things that I've been working on that you know for a long, long time, Frank, has been Xamarin Essentials. You got the 1.0. Congratulations. Ding, ding, ding. Thank you. Multiple bells. Yes, <laughs> lots of bells. It was very uh, hard. The team all came together. We made a lot of changes, uh, and it was very exciting to push out the 1.0, and it's out there, and it's the world has it, and we pushed the docs on the same day. It was very, very pleasant, uh, and I'm excited to jump back into GitHub and start if triaging. If start with the first settings plugin, how many years did it take for you to finally get an official plugins library shipped? Uh, let me look. Please hold while I process your request. <laughs> so I'm guessing 2000. 14 how i forget how long have, have i known you hmm. <laughs> so my settings plugin has had two million installs just had to break there i see and it's been around since march 2014 so um, i nailed it okay march 2014 so four or five years and now you're shipping an official thinger good job we did it we did it, Frank. See, <laughs> uh, software's quick. Anyone can write it. Anyone can write no. it. I mean, honestly, you did a great job with the plugins thing. It's just wholly separate to have um, Big Corp sponsoring your thing and devoting resources to it. So it's just very nice. And I'm excited for all the cross-platform goodness that you're giving us. Yeah, yeah. And and we didn't add, you know, for the main release, we, we didn't add anything new crazy or anything like that, but we aligned, there was a lot of alignment and we did a, you know, an API review with, with uh, a bunch of the .NET team and, and that really helped a lot too. So that was a big thing, um, you know, but 
probably the bigger thing. That's the wrong. Go ahead. Hang on. That's the wrong question, though. The real question is, did you drop anything at the last minute? That's usually what you do to ship. So anything? Did we miss anything? No, no, we didn't drop anything. No. Oh, good job. Good job. Smooth development cycle. Yeah. Good, no, good work. no, we, we the, the team is amazing. And uh, the feedback was 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 fantastical overall. And we got we got lucky because we were able to fix any of the bugs. So we would have had to drop something if, if we didn't feel as if it was stable, but we got everything yeah. through a long process into a, a good place. And the hardest one was secure storage, which is like the keychain. Uh, but for Android was the hardest one. iOS is fine, of course, but it was tricky because oh. of backwards compatibility stuff. So that was a tricky one. Oh, darn. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's what always gets you on Android, huh? Is that backwards stuff? Yeah, but we... They, they love changing APIs over there. But we should look to the future. Was your big item um, start and end with a four? Is that what you're talking it, about? It is. <laughs> Which one's that? What is that? <laughs> that is Xamarin Forms, Xamarin.Forms space four. Preview one. Preview one. 4.0 preview? preview one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> introducing Xamarin Forms because they released Xamarin Forms 3.4, which is uh, lots of new bug fixes and good stuff. But obviously, people love it when you increase the major version. So that's where everyone's looking. Um, new feature, new way to do navigation in your app. And I'm totally blanking on its name. <laughs> Remind me what its name it's called is. Called Shell. Shell. Yeah, so this is a way, a high-level XML file that declares... It's a XAML file, right? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Okay, so it's a high-level XAML file that describes at a high level how all the pieces of your app go together. So the main abstraction in Xamarin Forms is the page, and your app is built up of a bunch of pages, and normally... Uh, the how you bounce between pages was left to you said good luck we have this navigation thing it, it can do push model and it can it can do push and it can do model the rest is up to you but now we have this xaml file and we can say exactly how the app is structured which pages are sub pages primary pages and everything gets urls i like that feature yeah um everything can be optional uh, url schema so you can navigate to a page via url and the idea is that um the shell is i think of it as navigation architecture for my application so it is the like blueprint if you will that might have been a better name for it is the blueprint for your for your application <laughs> but it does a lot of nice things because you have these different items and sections and as you combine them, it'll have a flyout navigation to do top tabs versus bottom tabs, just how you construct pages. You have to kind of read the docs a bit, but it handles all of that for you instead of having to construct all that yourself. Uh, and yeah, based on your app, I'm going to be interested to see how I use it. I've been talking with David a lot. I go, this may work really well for my app. I want to see where it falls over, where it doesn't fall over. And it's still early days because, again, it's a preview, but. That one is is nice, but I'm actually more impressed with this little thing that they released called Visual, which is a property that you can set on any control or on a page, and it will theme your iOS and Android app with the first Visual, which is Material Design. And this is nice because even though I do love iOS, I think some of the controls are not so pretty, such as entries and progress bars. And this will use Google's material design controls on iOS and some of the newer, better Android material design um, uh, support library stuff. So you get a very similar-ish, in a way, design between the, the, two, um, the two. I can really tell that I'm maturing as an app developer because everything you just said in those last few words wasn't horrifying me. <laughs> I accepted them. Yeah. And I said things like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the truth is, um, as much as I love native UIs, um, I'm, I definitely recognize I'm in the artisanal camp. And if I, if I was an enterprise person supporting a million different devices on a million different platforms, yeah, I just want to say this is what a button looks like. This is what a text box looks like and make that happen across all the platforms. So I totally get that. Yeah. It's a cool uh, feature, but I want to, I, I have to go back real quick and make a quick statement on the, um, shell. quick, quick revision on shell. 
it's uh, a declarative versus imperative argument. So it's just a question of, can I declare the navigation of my app in this nice file? And that way I don't have to write any events and no code and life is great. Or do I like writing all those events and um, actions and that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. So I think that the difference between them is really that simple of declarative versus imperative. And is the declarative expressive enough for your app? Well, it really depends on your app. But I think that this is a nice thing. Um, once you have pages, it's because everything we're doing is declarative in XAML and Xamarin forms, that it makes sense that the high-level app should also be declarative. And then you can use your fancy Android material <laughs> visual thing yeah. <laughs> to make it look the same yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And, and you're, you're right. You know, I, I, what I enjoy about this is the idea of scaffolding quickly. So even if I do file new project, I would get a main page, but I could add a shell and I could see the entire like architect or, or, or like kind of navigation hierarchy of my application without having to do a lot of work. I just slap down a few of these items and sections and it magically does a bunch of stuff for me to get me uh, more productive faster. So I think that is something that intrigues me a lot. Yeah. I think of it a lot like the um, like a Squarespace website, the way they try to make it abstracted out to where it's just pages. You do the, the relationships between the pages, and then each page you just kind of control yourself. I think it's a real nice high-level abstraction. I keep making web metaphors here, and I guess that's kind of where these ideas come from of simplifying navigation. Um, because it's literally not a problem we had in WinForms. In WinForms, you just say new window, uh, present new window, and let the user figure it out. In this world where we don't have windows on Android and iOS, um, yeah, we've had to develop solutions to the problem, and I like this one. So honestly, I think I, can I? I hope it's in file new project. I'd imagine when 4.0 comes out, it would, there would be an option to, to okay. do that. I, I want to. I want to tweet overheard Xamarin forms is the Squarespace of mobile, de mobile app development. Is that an accurate statement? <laughs> well, more like shell, but th that was the analogy I was going for. Okay. Xamarin but forms yeah. 4.0 shell is the Squarespace of mobile app development. Yeah. I guess I said something like That's that. That's pretty good. I love it. Um, <laughs> correct. Now, there are some other cool things. Um, new new controls, Frank. We got a carousel view and a collection view. We got a collection view. I'm very excited. Okay. Th this is a big deal. I, I um, co Collection view I use all the time on iOS, and it was actually a really big stumbling block for me with Xamarin Forms because I'm like, where am I going to get a collection view? So awesome. <laughs> I like this thing. I like grids. Everything should be in a grid. Even if you have one, even have one, row or one column it's probably yeah. even more optimized so yeah and i think they kind of alluded to this in the uh, blog entry that this is a modern control and what they're saying there is um we're going to reuse things in the background they finally switched the default i think to reuse instead of mm -hmm. uh create new views for everything it's a unfortunately default that we're stuck with in list view so i think it seemed like from the blog post that they're saying just use this puppy yeah, uh, this is the new one. To yeah, use. in the documentation, in the documentation, it says it it aims to provide a more flexible and performant alternative to list view. Okay, so they're looking to replace yeah. it. Fun, fun times. I'm just, I might just go through a bunch of my apps that I have list views in, update to Xamarin Forms, and just literally replace the name list view with collection view and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, list views made a lot of sense when we had phones that were two inches across but nowadays these things are gigantic and so it makes sense to support multi-column stuff easily now in xamarin forms i often used uh what it's not like flow layout is it called flow layout flex layout flex layout i use flex layout a lot that that's been the the standby for doing this kind of stuff but i think um that didn't have all the virtualization and all that so this is going to be better for your big lists of things mm, i love it yes uh, and i'm also now looking at the uh, looking at the the collection the collection view sample that they did and david birch mm -hmm. totally just stole my monkey app and he just ported my monkey app oh <laughs> You inspire everyone, James. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, and so with your monkeys. You have to. I mean, monkeys everywhere. 
I don't know. That's my that's my life. So, anyways, that's a bunch of new stuff. Yeah, I, I love I, it. I can't believe we're at an hour and four minutes. Yeah. Is anyone still listening? Hello, are you there? <laughs> Hello, can you hear me? Yes. I thought, like, how are we going to fill up 30 minutes talking about these new features? But it turns out there was a lot there. Um, sorry this took us an hour, but I had a lot of fun. I hope you did. Oh, I love it. I love talking about this stuff. I'm going to talk about it again tomorrow, and I'm going to talk about it for oh, all of December <laughs> until this stuff comes out. Because it's early days. These are early previews, and it's, um, you know, it's the beta winter, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> the beta winter. Is that what we're the doing? The beta oh, winter God. has come. So the fall and the spring are the only calm time in app developers' lives. Is that what you're telling uh, me? I can't chill out during Christmas? Um, no, that's when you get to explore new crazy things that you didn't get to explore during your production time. Which, as we all know, just means putting a bunch of question marks in my code everywhere <laughs> <laughs> to prove to the compiler that I know slash don't know what the heck I'm doing. Well, may the force be with you. Uh, and I hope that that goes well with your C Sharp 8 exploration. Um, and Thank good you. luck. And well, thanks for everyone for, for hanging in. Let us know what your favorite thing that they uh, announced at Connect 2018 is. There's so much more that we didn't even cover, to be honest with you. So if there's something that that you are into, definitely uh, let us know. Um, write into us. Go to mergeconflict.fm. There's a contact button. Of course, rate, subscribe, do all those things. Hit us up on Twitter at mergeconflict.fm. So until next time, I think that's going to do it, Frank. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.